It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Now, here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. Michael Jordan once said, if you accept the expectations of others, especially negative ones, then you will never change the outcome. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, talk to us. Give us your feedback or questions at ChristianQuestions.com and all our social media channels. Dig deeper after this episode by downloading our comprehensive CQ Rewind show notes. It's a visual and contextual map for everything we cover. Look for the CQ Rewind button on our episode pages. Another great companion is our all-new Bible Study Notes, an easy-to-follow single page of questions tied to scriptures for a great personal study or for your Bible study group. Check them out by clicking on the Bible Study tab on our homepage. And we also do video. Look for new videos for all ages every week at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. So, Jonathan, what's up? What are we doing? What is our subject for today? Well, Rick, our question is, how do you deal with toxic people in your life? And our theme text is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Okay. How do you deal with toxic people in your life? Look, sometimes we have people in our lives who seem to create difficulty wherever they go. This can be for a variety of reasons, including the fact that we could be actually attracting such folks into our experiences. For now, let's assume that there are some people who simply live unhappy and unfulfilled lives. In their search for feelings of significance, they become a drain to others. Being in their presence diminishes hope, poisons happiness, and upsets relationships. Their influence quietly becomes a centerpiece or even an obsession in our daily experience. So what do we do? Well, coming up on today's podcast, let's face it, some people are simply difficult, even impossible to get along with. So what's the best way to handle them when we must have them in our lives? Our second segment lays out a foundation for this difficult discussion. How do we handle being treated with blatant disrespect? Do we ignore it? Absorb it? Keep it quiet? In our third segment, we talk about the most powerful solutions for such hard experiences. Is it ever acceptable for a Christian to retaliate? Wouldn't retaliation help them see what they're doing? This is a tough one, and we provide a clear direction in our fourth segment. And finally, what do we do when we just can't get the toxic treatment, take the toxic treatment anymore? Our fifth segment puts the plan for overcoming all together. Rick, should we walk away or tell them off or mount an attack of our own? What is the Christian thing to do? How does the Bible guide us through such extreme circumstances? Okay, so Jonathan, such extreme circumstances call for an extreme podcast. Yes. (laughs) And folks, as we get started, we want to just set some ground rules, if you will. We're going to be looking at something we're going to call taming toxicity throughout the podcast. Let's start with a principle before we get into anything else. Jonathan, what's this first 
taming toxicity principle. Every example, every scripture, and every thought expressed here must be applied with full knowledge that we must examine ourselves deeply in our own internal and external faults as we consider how others may be treating us. So, yeah, we all say, oh, yeah, I've got these toxic people in my life. They're this person and that person and that person. Sure, maybe that's true. But the other question is, what about me? Look in the mirror. Yeah. Am I ever, ever that way? So it's great to learn to deal with those on the outside. But, folks, let's not forget to deal with what's on the inside. That's the first Basic foundational principle. So, Jonathan, let's just start with a soundbite that gets us sort of set up for what we're looking at. This is from Wellcast, Toxic People, How to End a Bad Relationship. Okay, so it's talking about ending a bad relationship. We'll have a lot to say about that as we go through. Let's listen. Sometimes we get into relationships that drain energy from us. These are toxic relationships, and they can negatively affect all aspects of our lives. On this week's Wellcast, we're going to show you how you can tell if you're even in a toxic relationship, and then we're going to help you extricate yourself from that unhealthy situation pronto. Selfie one, diagnose the relationship. How do you know if a friend or partner is bringing you down? Well, in much the same way that you know that you're coming down with a cold, toxic relationships come with symptoms. When you're around this person, how do you feel? Here are a few other questions you should ask yourself if you're thinking you might be in a toxic situation. Does my friend put me down all the time? Are they jealous when I spend time with others? Do they constantly bring up parts of me that they want to change? Do they take more than they give? Am I only doing the things that they want to do? A lot of things to think about, aren't there? (laughs) There are. There are. That's why this is a mirror program where we have to look at ourselves and say, how am I treating others? Am I falling into traps like this? Yeah, yeah, we really do have to be very careful of that. But, you know, you look around and say, yeah, there may be a person or two people or something like that in my life like that. What do I do? We do need to address that. So let's let's start, you know, we, we put that taming toxicity principle in place about making sure we look in the mirror. What's the foundation here we want to build on? Be willing to handle harshness. Okay, be willing to handle harshness. The word handle is there for a very specific reason. We'll open that up in a minute. Um, We want to refer you to episode 1007, Do We Have to Turn the Other Cheek? Because we're going to draw just a little bit from that episode as we set the foundation for handling harshness. Let's go to some of the classic scriptures that are always debated uh, uh, in terms of Jesus' words. This is Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, here is what he says about, you know, turning the other cheek, so to speak. Matthew chapter 5, verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. So, you know, he's saying they, whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn and let them slap you on the left cheek. Is that literal? There's a couple of things here. First of all, it sounds like you're absorbing the anger of somebody. It's like, okay, you're going to take it, and then you're going to turn and take it again. Is that what this is saying? Well, look, whoever slaps you can actually can mean what it says, but it can also mean to strike with a rod or a staff. Now, that's even worse. Okay. Oh, that would hurt, yeah. yes. <laughs> now, so the next phase uh, is where we need to begin to ask the question. 
It's because he says, he's very specific. He says, whoever slaps you on your right cheek, why not on the left cheek? Does that mean if we're hit, somebody hits you on your left cheek that all bets are off and you're going to haul off and hit them back? <laughs> you know, wh- I don't think so. <laughs> well, and you're right. But so why the right cheek? And as we get through this, you go through this, Jonathan, I want to pause for one second. We've got several comments from outside sources. This is a comment from someone on Facebook uh, talking about the question of encourage some, encouraging someone who's always negative or toxic. She says, we must remain positive. Otherwise, we don't share with the standard that is put before us. It will be good to see in our brothers and sisters their qualities and their imperfections and overlook them knowing that we also have weaknesses. So that's a good thing. She's kind of saying, do what we were talking about. Look in the mirror. You know, don't, don't be shy about saying, hey, you know, everybody's weak. I'm one of everybody. Yeah, not just pointing the finger saying, you got a problem, you got a problem. Right. But I'm okay. <laughs> right. Okay. So now let's go to the context of this Matthew 539, because Jesus is talking about, uh, you know, turning the, your, your right cheek. Matthew 5, a few verses early, 29 to 30. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. See, the right is the focus here. Biblically, the right side was always the side of honor, power, and authority. The right hand of God's throne is a symbol of the most honored place. The scepter is in his right hand, the symbol of power and authority. The throne, the symbol of the most honored place. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, So the word right does mean right, but look at the clarification that the Greek-English lexicon gives to this word in its definition. The right, the right hand, a place of honor or authority. So that's what Jesus is really talking about here, a place of honor or authority. This section of Matthew 5 focuses on the absolute importance of self-control in all circumstances. So, Jonathan, what about the right eye? Well, Rick, it's the source of your most powerful and authoritative observations. If it brings you to lust, then be rid of such powerful and authoritative observations. So your right eye, your most powerful and authoritative observations. What about your right hand that Jesus talked about? Well, Rick, again, that's the source of your most powerful and authoritative actions. If it brings you to any measure of compromised experience, then be rid of it, of such powerful and authoritative actions. So again, right eye, right hand, powerful and authoritative observations and actions. Now the right cheek. The most powerful and authoritative representation of yourself. If someone humiliates this representation of you, then accept it with grace, for this is your sacrifice. So here's the thing. Jesus is saying, have self-control in all circumstances, especially when someone is, is attacking your reputation, who you are. He's not saying absorb it. He's saying handle it. And I think there's a huge difference between those two things. So we're going to take the difference between those two words, absorb it and handle it, because I think most Christians think that, okay, you're telling me I just got to absorb everything. No. And we're going to show you why in the next segment, Okay. It's funny, in the eclectic notes, it talks about smite thee on thy right cheek, give one cheek to the smiter. It was a Hebrew proverb for meek submission. That's what Jesus was teaching. That makes sense, meek so submission. It's, it's figurative language. We need to understand the language and the way it was used. And just the, the way it, it, it turned out for Jesus literally in his life, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6. 
I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out my beard. I did not cover my face for humiliation and spitting. You know, that's a pretty amazing thing, and, and we'll touch on this a little bit later on in the podcast, but Jesus submitted himself to those things. Why and how? You know, we want to get to that as we go through. So, so Jonathan, we just set just some basic, basic groundwork here for this discussion. So taming toxicity, what's, what's, our, what's our basis to work from? Well, Rick, our core strength for taming toxicity comes from Jesus' words and example of handling the harshness of others with an eye towards the greater good. Okay, handling, not absorbing, handling the harshness of others with an eye toward the greater good. So, we're not supposed to just take it, but we are supposed to learn to handle it, and this is a tough lesson. Does handling it from a toxic person mean we willingly become a target for their abusive actions? We're podcasting live every Monday night from 8 to 9.30. You can talk to us direct through our chat at ChristianQuestions.com. We also welcome your comments or questions any day of the week. Just hit the Contact Us button. We're now out of the starting gate. Let's pick up the pace for tonight's topic. You know, it's far too easy to say, just take it. It's also far too easy to want to walk away from a toxic person. If you're a Christian, neither of these is the right answer. Jesus didn't just take it from those who abused him. He allowed it for a greater good. He also didn't allow it until his time had come. And we're going to get into that in a few minutes. So, Rick, I understand you have a guest appearance coming up. Yeah, actually, Jonathan, this Wednesday at 2 o'clock Central Time, which is uh, 3 o'clock Eastern, uh, there's a podcast called Accidental Hope, and it's done by a young woman by the name of Jennifer Eichenhorst. And she began this podcast because in 2016 uh, she was in an accident that caused a fatality, and it destroyed her life. Oh, heartbreaking. And so she worked through it from a godly perspective to try to find a way to find peace for herself. And in so doing, she began to stand up with some strength to say, others must have gone, be going through what I'm going through. Let's see if I can touch them as well. So I had an opportunity to, to, to speak with Jennifer and um, we'll be uh, on her podcast this coming Wednesday. Again, her podcast is called Accidental Hope. Uh, the host is Jennifer Eichenhorst. We would encourage you all to take a listen. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful woman. Uh, very dedicated Christian and really looking to give others hope and something to look forward to. So really encourage uh, you all to, uh, to take her up on that. Accidental Hope with Jennifer Eichenhorst. So, Rick, what is the best way to handle toxic people when we must have them in our lives? <laughs> when we have to have them, what's the best way to handle it? Well, look, here's a great quote from Travis Bradbury. Toxic people defy logic. Some are blissfully unaware of the negative impact that they have on those around them, and others seem to derive satisfaction from creating chaos and pushing other people's buttons. And Jonathan, you and I have talked about a real-life story that's happened in your life very, very, very recently. That's right. And it deals with uh, a lot of what we're talking about here. Why don't you get us started with that story? All right. The beginning. Over the past year and a half, such a case became evident to my wife, Jewel, and me. The first warning sign happened when we went to help family members clean my parents' house 
after construction debris was causing medical issues for my dad. In the middle of cleaning their house and removing an old carpet from my mom and dad's bedroom, a family member accused me of not living like a good Christian because I wouldn't take up her cause for preventing child trafficking and I did not follow her political ideas. She felt her cause was far more important than mine, which is developing Christ-likeness, sacrifice, and doing God's will, as I believe I was called to do. So I was accused of not being a Christian. Well, Rick, to be quite honest, I did not handle these accusations well at all. In fact, I blew up. Yeah, that's not handling well. (laughs) I yelled back. I basically told her, how dare you push your agenda on me? I started defending my Christian walk. As this was happening, (laughs) the Lord's Spirit revealed to me um, something very important. By this person's facial expressions, I could see how I pleased her because she could push my buttons to get this kind of reaction from me. From this failure, my failure on my part, the Lord gave me strength to not react to this person again, as this was the beginning of a year and a half nightmare. Without this mistake, Rick, I probably would have done greater damage later throughout our experience. I am thankful for the humbling I received from the Lord in preparation for what was to come. Now, see, the interesting thing is you didn't know you had no idea what was to come. I had no idea. And so you you reacted uh, to, you know, essentially go nose to nose, if you will. Yeah. And 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 you look back in in the middle of that, you're thinking, hey, wait a minute, exactly. something's wrong. You know, and, and it takes a, it takes a lot to reconsider yourself in the middle of that. So you're dealing with with somebody who's just coming at you, and you know, and that's a symptom of toxicity. Somebody's just just overwhelmingly just barreling down and beating you down. And how do we handle that as Christians? So basically, Jonathan, just to repeat, you started with a failure. I did indeed. And but you learned really fast. Oh, thank God for the lesson. Yes. <laughs> and, and we'll get to the next part of the story in the next seven. Good, good. This is a good, good sound foundation for us. What we're going to do, folks, is we're going to use Romans chapter 12, verses 14 to 21 to build the case for righteous responses to toxicity. And, and Jonathan, you already have started us with a righteous response by saying, yeah, I messed up. But the good news is I kind of thought through and said, wait a minute, wait, wait, change, change. That's part of what a righteous response is. So what's our first basis for righteous response that we'll be seeing in Romans 12? Always be a giver, but always give appropriately. Depersonalize the abuse. That is enormous. And that's something that you weren't able to do at the beginning. I wasn't, no. You couldn't depersonalize it. And folks, this is where we get stuck. Romans 12, verses 14 through the first part of verse 16. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Such wonderful, powerful words. Bless, do not curse, rejoice, and so forth and so on. Be of the same mind. So how did Jesus bless those who persecuted him? He didn't condone or encourage their behavior, but he did die for them so they could eventually learn forgiveness and consequences, 
thus the day of judgment, the day of learning through from your experiences. But you know, Jonathan, another part of Jesus' experience with them is we often think about Jesus just taking it, you know, at the end of his life and then being crucified. But remember, for, for three and a half years, Jesus didn't just take it. He would respond to them. He would talk to them with truth and with the law. And he'd go back to the Pharisees and say, look, you say this, but you do that. How do you reconcile that? Let me ask you this question in relation to the law. He was showing them truth always. And he was trying to take them from the letter of law to the spirit of the law. Right. Bring the heart to the matter. Right. This is how he blessed them. He didn't give them what he wanted. He gave them what they needed. Okay, they, they wanted to show Jesus a thing or two. What they needed was to understand, like you said, the spirit of the law. We're, um, just another quick comment. from uh, This is from Quora. Uh, we, we asked the question, how do you deal with toxic people in your life? And this individual says, I'm at peace with avoiding them. Do not hate them, just avoid them if I can. From where I come from, I need to recognize myself as equally important and valuable as others. When my relationship with others leaves me routinely feeling bad and depressed, it's okay to avoid. There's some wisdom in that. You know, you are equally as value as the, valuable as that other person. So you've got to be careful about letting their perspective define your perspective. That's why we said depersonalize the abuse. We're going to be going, Jonathan, to an article from Psychology Today, Eight Strategies for Dealing with Toxic People in Your Life by Peg Streep. And we're just going to be reading a couple of sentences, uh, essentially a sentence or two from each of these eight points. So what's the first point? Recognize the traits that make you easy prey. Use cool processing to think about the interactions you've had with the person that make you unhappy, focusing on what you felt as you did, not what you felt, and see if you can discern a pattern. Okay, see if you can discern a pattern. See if you can figure out actually what's happening. Let's go back to, we're going to go to the second point in a moment. Let's go back to uh, well-cast toxic people how to end a bad relationship, and listen to their they, they call the, the, their, their action points they're calling selfie points, which, I don't know, it kind of is weird to me, but hey, that's the way they do it. So uh, selfie point two is to recognize. Selfie two, recognize your role in the relationship. As Eleanor Roosevelt said, nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. All right, look, we know we got that from Princess Diaries, obviously. Moving on. Listen, you have autonomy in every relationship in your life. If your friend or partner is stealing your sunshine, you need to figure out what you're doing to allow them to do this. Are you being a doormat? Are you putting this person's emotional needs ahead of your own health? So we got to be careful. And what we have to do is we have to recognize what truth is in a matter. And when we say, when it says, bless those who persecute you, it doesn't mean you necessarily give them what they want, but you give them what's good, what's righteous in God's eyes, not what you'd like to give them, because sometimes that's not so good either. Uh, and that gets to the second point from Psychology Today's article. What is it? Explore your reactivity. Again, without taking the blame for the dynamic, you should look at both the degree to which you overreact and underreact in the relationship. Either can unwittingly intensify the dynamic and keep it going. You know, and that's one of the things about a toxic relationship is it ends up just, it just keeps on going and going and going because we don't know how to stop it. Now, what we're saying here today is not necessarily going to stop something, but it will help us to 
handle it, not absorb it, because we have to depersonalize the abuse, but handle it to make it more uh, understandable and, and give it potential for something positive. And one of the things that we have to look at in order to do that is we're all faulty, every one of us, and therefore we are all susceptible to giving and receiving toxicity. And you fell into that yourself in your, in your experience, as you had mentioned to us earlier. I did. First Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. For consider your calling, brethren, that there are not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. So basically what it's saying is, you guys are not the cream of the crop. <laughs> Followers of Christ. Yes, that's what yeah. it's saying, okay? It is, it is. <laughs> and, and he's saying, and the reason you're chosen is because of the fact that you're not the cream of the crop, because God is to be glorified in your life, not you. And again, we get into the situation with toxicity where it's coming at us, and we have that sense of, I am going to fight it. But what we need to do is we need to say, I am going to, by God's grace, handle it. Not absorb it, but handle it. So within the grand opportunity of the Christian calling to give glory to God is the grave reality that we have so much to overcome. We do not begin this walk with any natural advantage. This is important. You got to know what your, your assets and liabilities are. And Jonathan, I'm my own worst liability. Hey, I am my own too. And, uh, you know, that brings that humility level to our mind. Yeah. Saying, even though someone may be toxic toward me, I have flaws, I have weaknesses, I make mistakes. So I've got to deal with it. Yeah. And am I going to contribute to the toxicity or am I going to put a plug in it? You know, it's a choice. It ends up being a choice. So we have to set our minds on appropriate giving. He says bless. Well, to bless someone is to give to them. How do you give to a toxic person appropriately? The first thing, set your mind to rise above that which is natural, because that's what Jesus did. Matthew 5, we're going to go 43 to 45, then 48, we're going to stop in the middle. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, you've heard it was said. Okay, now you've got to set your heart to act on that which is above. Because that's what Jesus did. So we set our mind first. You've heard. And now we've got to set our heart to follow it. And Jesus says in verses 44 and 45, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, God treats all with equity. Okay. He treats all with appropriate giving. He gives rain to call, fall on, on the righteous and the unrighteous. When we love someone with that agape, that highest form of love, how do we treat them? What do we want for them? Well, don't we want what's best for them? I mean, that's what we want for our kids. Absolutely. That's how we bless someone who's toxic. And then verse 48 sounds really kind of weird, the first few words there. Therefore, you are to be 
perfect. <laughs> it's like, what? That's trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, and in the lexicon, it says to the, the, uh, the consummate human integrity and virtue. So it's saying you are to rise to the highest level you possibly can and then finish the verse. As your heavenly Father is perfect. So the idea is to rise to the highest level you're capable of. So when fighting with toxicity, we need to be able to bless appropriately. Now, that's a big subject, and so we're going to get into that coming up. How do you do that? So, Jonathan, as we wrap this segment up, what's our taming toxicity point? Our treatment of those who would be toxic in our lives comes down to blessing them, which means we give to them in an appropriately. Depersonalize the abuse. Don't forget to depersonalize the abuse. And, and just as a reminder, depersonalize the abuse. <laughs> and one other point, don't let the abuse be personal, okay? It's so, so important. Wanting what's best for someone, this is such a great way to frame our relationships with difficult people. To bless and give appropriately sounds great, but in all practicality, how do you actually go and do it? Rick and Jonathan are so busy analyzing how today's issues can be solved by a scriptural approach, they naturally don't talk a lot about who they are in daily life. So that's my job. Here's a couple facts you may not have known about your two hosts, such as, for some reason when Rick wears a tie, it always has an animal on it. Why? We don't know. That's just his preference. Now, Jonathan may not love animal ties, but he has a cool rescue dog named Beta. And now you know more about your Christian Questions hosts. Talk to us anytime at ChristianQuestions.com. Now, back to Rick and Jonathan. So now, this is one of those areas of life that requires not only thought and acceptance, it requires practice as well. To truly give in an appropriate way means that we must first have a clear understanding of what is appropriate and then decide to fully commit to it. And this, Jonathan, is practically an art form. This is, not, <laughs> this is not easy to understand, first of all, what is appropriate and then commit to only that. And we'll see, you know, in your story coming up in just a moment, how that is all going to pan out. But before that, that brings us to our next question. How do we handle being treated with blatant disrespect? Ignore it, absorb it, or keep it quiet? Okay, what do we do? And, and you know, you had, you had that very experience, and we're going to hear about that in a moment. Another great quote here, Jonathan, and this is, I don't know what the source is. The source was unknown, literally. It says, don't let people pull you into their storms. Pull them into your peace. This is powerful, because in dealing with toxicity, the, the, the person who is coming across in a toxic fashion, believe me, has a storm raging inside their own heart and mind, whatever it is. There may be mental stability issues. There may be just, just psychological issues. There may be uh, issues from their childhood, whatever it is. Does it really matter? What matters is they're hurting. They have a storm. So instead of being pulled into their storm, pull them into your peace. Well, how do you do that? Your peace, first of all, you have to have it. And secondly, you don't have peace unless it comes from something bigger than you. And this is something we have to really focus on. So Jonathan, let's go back to your story. You know, we left off where you had realized that your re initial reaction wasn't a godly reaction, and then you changed your tune. That's right. So what happens and, next? 
Rick, after this warning sign experience, we realized many other inconsistencies in the behavior and thought patterns of this person. This led us to our concern for the care or lack thereof for my parents who were being cared for by her. Instead of being a help to my mom and dad, she was causing distress, anxiety, and depression. To give mom and dad a break from that environment, we invited them to visit for a month. What started out as a four-week visit turned into much more. Dad had advanced Alzheimer's, and mom asked if they could stay and live with us. Jewel and I had to discuss it, and we agreed, you know, it was the right thing to do, especially since the scripture says, honor your father and mother. So, we brought my parents back home to explain their future plans and to pack. But this is when toxicity revealed itself. Threats were made to my parents and they were told they could not leave. Threats were made to me and my wife and said, if we attempted to bring them to Connecticut, we would pay. Instead of honoring mom's wishes, this person wanted to control my parents and continue to receive free room and board. Due to the toxicity on moving day, we needed a police escort to safely get mom and dad out of the house. This was followed by a year of evil and hateful texts, emails, and phone calls. How did we deal with that toxicity? Well, communicating with her was not an option due to her reactions. We did not respond to her, even though it was very stressful, Rick. What we did do was pray for her and hope she would seek professional help. Other family members were not able to help her either. So you had a, a situation that went from bad to worse over a period of time now. And, yes. you know, it's interesting. Our, our, before I continue to comment on your story, our righteous response uh, for this segment, Jonathan, has got three points. What are they? Always be humble, always be righteous, always be respectful. And folks, if you think about those three points and you go back over what you just heard, Jonathan, you and, and Jewel were humble, righteous, and respectful. Your initial response or reaction wasn't great. No. But by God's grace, see, that's, a, that's the beauty of this. We can change. We can change midstream and get onto a track that can now glorify God and not feed the toxicity, but begin to drain it. Now, in your case, you couldn't drain it away. You just had to hold it at bay. Correct. You had to depersonalize it and keep it away from you. Let's go back to Romans 12, uh, the latter part of verse 16 and verse 17. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. See, I love the way this is written. Do not be wise in your own estimation. In other words, don't give a response that says, oh, this is going to be pretty smart. Watch me go here. I'm going to nail him with this. Don't do that. That's trouble. It is ungodly. So how do we bless? Well, we don't be wise in our own estimation. We don't pay back evil for evil. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Appropriate responses are not often natural responses. And for a Christian, dealing with toxicity means we've got to rise above what we feel and do what is right. Again, blessing someone doesn't mean you give them what they want. It means you give them what is appropriate to give them. And go ahead. There is a challenge in this verse at the end, what seems right in the sight of all men. Well, Rick, in our world today, there's so many gray lines 
a right and wrong, it, it's hard to find in society. Yeah. Um, so it, that's a challenge for us today to try to hold up a standard of righteousness and, and Christ-likeness. Yeah, and you know, our standards of righteousness are standards of godly righteousness. That's right. We draw them from Scripture, and you know, that's the, the context that we want to, to, to focus on. Let's get back to um, uh, Wellcast, Toxic People, How to End a Bad Relationship. Um, and this is their selfies, number three, which is boundaries, which really is imp- And, you know, your example is exactly there, setting appropriate boundaries. Selfie three. Start to build boundaries for this relationship. Does your friend invite themselves over at all hours of the night? Are they constantly bossing you around? Are they always borrowing money from you? All right. Once you know the boundary that you want to set, stick to it. Draw your line in the sand. So, you know, Jonathan, you had to set boundaries of, of not communicating because it, right. it would just create a flood of inappropriateness. Yes. And so, you know, you, you set that, that important boundary. It's important to have those in dealing with toxic individuals. Doesn't mean you can't bless them. And, you know, sometimes not giving them the, the, uh, the, the platform to, to spew the, the, the vitriol is a blessing. When you don't give them the platform, you're blessing them because the vitriol doesn't help them, nor does it help anyone else. The Psychology Today article, uh, point number three. Trust your gut. One reason insecurity attached people stay in hurtful relationship is a lack of trust in themselves or their judgment. Okay, now we as Christians need to be careful with this a little bit because which gut do we trust? As a Christian, you're supposed to be having the higher higher purpose in your life. So you want to make sure that you're trusting godliness, not rickliness. Okay? Not, emo- not emotion. Right. Okay, for me, yeah. that's why I said not rickliness. It's not me. <laughs> I don't trust me. I have to trust Christ in me. That's the point. So let's go to... Um, First uh, Corinthians chapter two verses eleven and twelve, and I, and I, I like the the way the Weymouth translation works on this one. For among human beings, who knows a man's inner thoughts except the man's own spirit within him? But we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which comes forth from God, that we may know the blessing that have been so freely given to us by God. See, that's our basis for trusting our gut. It's trusting the Spirit of God, trusting godliness. Even if you are a friend of Christianity, you trust the godliness and the principles that Jesus gave us in dealing with toxic individuals. doesn't matter who you are. Rise above the base responses to do something stronger. And even more care must be—well, t- let's uh, next, next point, Jonathan, is, is one that even more care is needed. What is it? The fourth point from Psychology Today. Beware of the sunk cost fallacy. Humans are famously loss averse and prefer to hold on to what they have in the short term, even if giving up a little will get them more in the long run. So the article is kind of saying, look, you know, just walk away. But here's the thing. Sometimes there are relationships that should not be abandoned. And so you just can't take this and say, well, sunk cost, forget it. I'm just walking away. I'm, I'm abandoning that person. If it's a family member, if it's a spouse, no, you're not. Not as a Christian, you're not. Because that is not what we were taught to do. So again, we have to be very careful, careful here. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14. But a natural man does not accept the things 
of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. So somebody may be looking at us saying, well, you know, why are you not walking away from that relationship? And you, what you said before, Jonathan, is so true. The natural man is not going to understand someone who's spiritually driven. And to say, right. look, you know what? This is a marriage. This is a covenant, for instance, that was made before God. I am not walking away. I am not. I am bound to that. Something higher. Now the Spirit can really work with us. It's a difficult thing to, to, to stay with. The implication that walking away is healthy, again, is not necessarily Christian appropriate. What many would say is a sunk cost fallacy for us may be an obligation that needs to be met with commitment. So we as Christians need to be clear and stay the course. And fortunately, we have lots to work with in learning how to handle it, not absorb it. Bless and love and do it with an intentional objective. First Peter chapter 3, we're actually going to do verses 8 and 9, then ver- verses 15 through 17. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. You're called for this purpose. You don't return evil for evil, insult for insult. Insult. When you truly love someone with that higher love, uh, you say and do what's best for them and not what's convenient or comfortable. You know, you give them a sandwich, okay? And I'll explain that in a second. A what? <laughs> yeah. You establish a base for communication. And we've talked about this previously. This is a very important principle, though. When you have something hard to say to somebody, you put it in sandwich form. You, you say something that's good and positive. Then you say something that's difficult, and then you end with something that's good and positive. So the gooey stuff is in between the two pieces of bread. They can handle the pieces of bread. Nobody wants the gooey stuff, okay? So what we want to do is make sure that we approach others with that sense of, uh, uh, of respect, of blessing, and tell them what they need to hear, but in the right kind of way. Jonathan, just really quickly, I had an experience uh, a few years ago with someone who was, and I'll make this very, very short, they had misrepresented the experience of someone close to me. Um, And I know they misrepresented the experience. It was a long experience, and I happened to be there throughout the entire experience. So I saw everything that happened. I heard the words. I watched the reactions. And and in a public place, this individual was, was talking about this other person in a horrible way, and it was simply untrue. So I tried very hard to say, hey, wait, 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 hang on, hang on. I was there. Let me, let me explain to you what actually really happened because I don't think you've got it right. And so I would explain it and say, Here, here's what I saw. Here's what we, we did. But, and they just kept getting worse and worse. And I said, and then I started to get a little bit more firm. I said, I don't think you understand what I just said. I was there. You can't be right because you have no, you, you're going on third party and assumptions. I was there. And they kept going on and on. And Jonathan, it was one of those things where they're, they're hurting the reputation of somebody I deeply care about. And I don't know, <laughs> I, I got right up in their face. And I said, you had better stop talking about that person like that because you are speaking things that are not true and they're damaging that person's character and it's just, it's wrong. Stop doing it. And at that point, for that moment, that individual that I spoke with finally broke down and apologized. But it took all of that effort to get there and just want to stand for somebody who was being misrepresented. This was toxicity pouring out. 
and just saying, okay, stop. It's enough. It's enough. That was blessing them. That was blessing them. Wow, that is powerful. Yeah, it's also not easy. Let me tell you, I don't oh, want to do that man. again. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's go to verses 15 to 17, First Peter. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile you because of your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should... Will it so that you suffer for doing what is right than for what is you're doing which is wrong? So the idea is suffer for that which is right. And if we are contributing to toxicity, folks, we are not suffering for that which is right. Bless them. Give them appropriateness. Give them wisdom. Give them God's mercy and truth. And sometimes the truth is difficult. Give it to them in a, in a, in a receivable way. Don't come at them with it. Hand it to them and say, consider this. Have a sandwich. Yes, yes. <laughs> Have a verbal sandwich. And, 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 and you can begin to chip away at it. This is, this is a long road. This isn't, there's no miracles that happen instantly here, okay? So we got to be careful with this and just be committed to righteousness and goodness and wisdom. If we're going to be challenged, we might as well be challenged while doing things God's way. Second Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That includes the thoughts that you have when you're face to face with that toxic person. The obedience of Christ. Bless them by speaking appropriately, wisely, and truthfully. What's our taming toxicity point? Our responses to toxicity should never be reactions, but rather God-honoring responses. Aim to build a basis for communication. You know, it may not work, but you build a basis for communications. This is hard stuff that makes you want to just say, the heck with it. We so need to focus on higher thinking. As positive as building a communication base is, what do we do with our natural desire to lash out? Sometimes our questions and commentary can get complicated. That's part of having a thorough discussion. We'd love to hear your opinion. Contact us now at ChristianQuestions.com. Comment through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or our app. Just when you thought we may be figuring this out, let's get more complicated. When we're verbally or emotionally attacked, we react with either a fight-or-flight response. Some of us want to dish back what we've been dished out with a little bit extra. And some of us just want to let the abuse pulverize our hearts. While our reactions may not change, we can control our responses. And Jonathan, again, we'll get back to your story in a minute, but I'm reminded of your own experience where your reaction was there at the very beginning but yes. you took the reaction, you put it away, and then you lived in a response, a chosen response. And that's, folks, that's hard, but that's the way to deal with toxicity. Because what ends up happening when you do that is that person eventually figures out they can't get to you. They can't push your buttons anymore. They can't manipulate you. They can't press you and push you beyond what you think that you can do. 
and then the balance of power begins to change, and then you can begin to exist outside of their thinking in, in terms of, of you. Well, Rick, is it ever acceptable for a Christian to retaliate? Wouldn't retaliation help them see what they're doing wrong? Yeah, let's get to them. Let's, let's show them, you know. Well, you know, I guess if we could retaliate in a, in a godly, spiritual way, sure, that would work, but I don't know any of us who could do that. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> John Mark Green said, toxic people attach themselves like cinder blocks tied to your ankles and then invite you for a swim in their poisoned waters. Great. The question is, are you going to go swimming? Are you going to go swimming with that person who's hanging on to you for dear life and they've got cinder blocks around their own ankles? What are they going to do to you? They're going to drown both of you. Jonathan, what happened with your story? Well, mom did not want to worry about the house out of state anymore. They were paying utility bills, which tripled after they left. Mom decided she wanted to sell the house. The experience escalated by this family member taking mom and dad to court to try to take their house from them. The judge told her she had no right to the house and she was asked to leave. After many months and requests, she unfortunately was evicted so the realtors could put the house on the market. This was a very, very difficult experience for all of us. Many months later, my dad was diagnosed with an abdominal aortic aneurysm and hospice was called into the house to help. Toxicity showed itself again when this person actually called the police and told them my dad was unconscious and they need to rescue him. Of course, the police came in and saw dad in a hospital bed being cared for by us caregivers and the hospice nurses. And the policeman was embarrassed, but he had to follow through checking on dad because of the report. This added stress and heartbreak to an already difficult situation. Dad passed away a week later. We are thankful to the Lord that very little of her toxicity did not show itself at dad's memorial service at my parents' hometown. There were over 90 people there to honor him. But toxicity reared its ugly head when it was over in the parking lot. She walked up behind me while I was putting my mom's wheelchair in the trunk, and she started pounding on my back and verbally abusing me. With the Lord's help and strength, I thought about Jesus, and I did not say a word or react. I just finished and got in the car. It was a privilege to experience the tiniest bit of what Jesus may have felt when persecuted, uh, being persecuted for righteousness. She did not get the reaction she wanted, but God did. Amen. Amen and amen. We need to understand the power of not contributing to the toxic behavior. And Jonathan, what you did, I don't know that anybody could have done it any better. To not give an inch of reaction is to not give that person exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for a fight, and what they got was zero. They got nothing. And when you give somebody like that nothing, it really is a powerful thing in terms of being able to walk away with a victory for godliness. That's what this is all about. It's about a victory for godliness instead of a victory for toxicity. Choose who you want to fight for. That's the way to do it. So our righteous response here is what? Leave retaliation to God. He will see to it on time and appropriately. 
don't play. Don't play the game. Just don't play the game. Romans 12, 18 to 20. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. So, you know, what it's talking about is having that righteous approach to those who are enemies to you. You know, and as you were reading the scripture, uh, Trish walked in, my wife Trish walked in with a note, you know, talking about, you know, family. If you've got a f- toxic family member, you know, she's saying, well, you know, do you really, you really don't have to spend time with your, all these family members. You know, look, if it's your spouse, yeah, you do. Okay. There, there's got to be some kind of, of, of working communication that you try to build. If it's a, if it's a relative that's got a little bit of distance, no, you don't. But you do want to make sure that any of your communications with them are to upbuild, are to not contribute to the darkness and, and, the, and the vitriol and the hatred and the anger. It's to say, I'm not playing that game. I am rising above it. And that's what this scripture is saying. You know, heaping burning coals of fire on their head. I mean, that's a weird thing to say today. It is, but it was actually hospitable for a family member to give you coals to take home to your hearth so that you could be warm at night and, and have a fire at night. So it was definitely a kindness shown. Yeah, and, and that's the point. With family members that are, are a little bit more distant, show kindness and show a lack of acceptance of toxic behavior and be able to give them a sandwich that says, that's not welcome here. We, we don't go down those roads. And if you're going to be like that, I'm sorry, we can't have time. And to be able to stand for that kindly and graciously and firmly and truthfully. That's, that's how we've got to do this. We absolutely have a choice as to what we contribute to a volatile situation. So choose grace. Let's go back to um, Wellcast, Toxic People, How to End a Bad Relationship. This is selfie number four. Selfie four. Recognize... You can't change other people, but you can stop being a doormat. If you've determined that a friendship or relationship is toxic, you know that you have to change the nature of that relationship. Start by spending less time with that person and do your best to detach yourself emotionally. Hopefully, setting boundaries will help you begin to phase this relationship out. You know, that's so important. You can't change anybody. You're right, Rick. But you can change how you contribute to what's going on. And if we rise above and choose to bless instead of curse, to respond instead of react, we can do things differently. Point number five from Psychology Today. Recognize the power of intermittent reinforcement. When a toxic person actually does something nice, your heart leaps, your optimism ramps up, and you think, we are turning a corner. That locks you in for that much longer. So what the article is saying is beware because something, you know, they do something, one little thing nice, and we say, oh, great, everything's turning. It's a miracle. No, it's not. It generally isn't. And what happens is you just need to be, be, be braced for more of the same because, Jonathan, most of the time when people are in this situation, it's not because they want to be. It's because they don't know how not to be. And we all need help when we get into situations like that. So we've got to be so, so, so careful. We all need help sometimes. Don't be afraid to seek wisdom from someone spiritually trustworthy in dealing with these things. 
And, and Rick, in our experience, that was huge because I had to connect to those that I respected to say, I don't want to do anything wrong in this situation. What is, you know, give me some advice, help make sure that my thinking is correct. Um, and the prayers of many uh, and the support of many helped see us through this year and a half. So this is huge. Yeah, it's, it, there's no shame in needing help. We all need help. And to deal with such things like that, like your experience, really do, do require stepping up to a higher level of help sometimes and getting external help that is trustworthy. Not that's going to say what you want them to say, but that is going to tell you godly truth and wisdom. That's what you're looking for. Point six from the Psychology Today article. Guard those boundaries or plan an exit strategy. If the toxic person is someone you can't avoid coming into contact with, a coworker, a neighbor, your mother-in-law, or someone in your social circle, set boundaries for behavior and the kind of contact you're going to have. And again, we, we just touched on that a little bit. That's so important if you don't have boundaries. And how do you set the boundaries? You give them sandwiches. And you nicely and graciously set the boundaries in place so that everybody has a sense. And you know what? They're going to figure it out eventually when you stop reacting to their stuff. They can't push your buttons, and you, you, you can't stop the behavior necessarily, but you can't stop the, the, the results of it. Selfie number five from well-cast toxic uh, people, how to end a bad relationship. Let's hear what they say. Selfie five, get a second opinion. Especially if you're emotionally vulnerable, the best thing you can do is surround yourself with people who love you and who want you to be happy and healthy. Use them as a lifeline during this time. Simple. And we talked about that, how critically important it is to get help from others. Set your mind to respond with godly appropriateness and blessing. Next, resolve to work that plan. David, King David, had multiple issues with some who pursued him, mercil- pursued him mercilessly and without reason. Here's how he presents his dilemma to God in Psalm 35. First, he asks God to do the fighting. Now, we're not sure if this psalm is about the pursuit of King Saul or not. It may be. But listen, he asked God to fight for him in the, in the beginning. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek my life. Let those be turned back and humiliated who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind. With the angel of the Lord, drive them on. Let their way be dark and slippery. With the angel of the Lord pursuing them. For without cause they hid their net from me. Without cause they dug a pit for my soul. They repay me evil for good to the bereavement of my soul. So he's saying, God, let it happen with the angel of God pursuing them. Notice he's saying, and let me go and get my licks in. He's not saying that. He's saying, God, you take care of it your way. And then he talks about his own attitude toward those who would hurt him in verses 13 and 14. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer kept returning to my bosom. I went about as though it were my friend or brother. I bowed down mourning as one who sorrows for a mother. See, David's mourning was at a level of how you would respond to friends and family. So when they, these enemies of his had hardship, he mourned for their hardship. Just like you said in your experience, you were praying for that person, that they could get the kind of help that they needed so they could find peace in their own heart and mind. You That's know, right. And, and I love David's uh, example, Rick. 
he professed, I will not harm the Lord's anointed. Right. Which, if this is about Saul, I mean, he, he, he loved God's anointed. And he didn't want to do him any harm. And it was God's responsibility to take care of things. And, and what a perfect heart attitude that is. Say, as a Christian, uh, we have Christian uh, fellowship with brethren. We should not want to ever harm or hurt one of these little ones of the Lord. You know, and, and David's this powerful, mighty warrior. He's fearless, and yet this is how he feels about his enemy. And that gives you a sense of the heart for God that we need to have in dealing with toxic people. Saul, if this was about Saul, was a very toxic individual at that oh, point in his life. Yes. So true peace can only come to us when we use spiritually sound thinking and decisions. Philippians 4, 4-7. to Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let these things happen to you. Be anxious for nothing. Rejoice in the Lord. And look, this is hard to do, okay? This is- and that's exactly what I was <laughs> going to say, Rick. It, it, when you're in the middle of the fire, it's hard not to be anxious. Right. And, but you battle to have peace. Right. You and, fight to have peace. And nobody says the anxiousness is going to go away. But right. what should arrive is the choice of what to do with the anxiousness so that you don't contribute to the toxic behavior. So what's our final taming toxicity point for this segment? Vengeance and retaliation are of no use to us if we truly want to communicate with a toxic person. Instead, Christ-like thinking, love, and actions will bring opportunity. And all we can do is look to open doors for opportunity. That's all we can do. You can't fix somebody, but you can look to open doors for opportunity. So really, what I really feel like doing, I should avoid, and what I think is too hard to do is what I should do. Great! Bless appropriately. Be humble and respectful, and don't retaliate. Gee, is that all there is? Every episode, we cover a lot of ground. Part of gathering all the information and drawing conclusions is having a thorough conversation. Thanks to all our listeners for all your feedback every week. Rick and Jonathan want to hear more comments and questions. Talk to us at ChristianQuestions.com, through all our social media channels, and download our app by searching Christian Questions in your app store. Now, since we have puzzle pieces everywhere, let's put those pieces together. Appropriateness, humility, and no retaliation. When we just say the words that reflects what needs doing, it never sounds too bad. Then we add a sizable helping of reality and a heavy dose of emotion to the equation, and suddenly we're looking up a steep and intimidating mountain. What now? What do you do now when the mountain looks that big? Because it's great to talk about, Jonathan, but it's not so easy to put into place. Finally, Rick, what do we do when we just can't take the toxic treatment anymore? Big question. Important question. Another quote from an unknown source. You can't change someone who doesn't see an issue in their actions. You can't change anyone. You can't save anyone. Don't try. Just don't contribute to the downward trend 
and instead contribute to godliness by being a blessing. Now remember, a blessing is not giving them what they want, but giving them what's appropriate, what's good for them, what's good for everybody from a godly perspective. What's our righteous response here? Don't quit. Even if you cannot help someone change here and now, you can at the very least create a better environment for communication and understanding. Okay, and Romans 12.21 says, Do not become... Do not overcome... (laughs) One more time. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So look, here's the thing, folks. We can't necessarily say, okay, let's put this formula to work and the toxic people in our lives will eventually not be that way. That's not necessarily true. It's not about changing them. It's about changing their role in our lives. That's what it's about. See, we have a decision to make as to what role they will change, they will play in our lives. And that's why it says, don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. You may not be able to change them, but you can change you. And you can say, I will no longer be a toxic contributor. Instead, I will be a toxicity overcomer and be able to lay the groundwork for communication. And maybe one day, they'll start to take it. Who knows? And even if they don't, so what? Lay the groundwork. And if they don't, I was thinking, you know, if we can't change them now, hopefully they'll remember later in the kingdom our peaceful nature and be thankful for it, that we didn't add fuel to the fire. Hopefully in the day of visitation, in that day of judgment to reflect, they'll say, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I should have, oops, ah, I made a mistake. I reacted wrong. So-and-so had a good example. I should think like them. Yes, absolutely. So overcoming evil with good um, is not necessarily about winning the actual battle as much as it's about changing your own perspective and actions to those of Christ-likeness. Final two points from the Psychology Today article. Point seven. Anticipate pushback or retaliation. It's likely that the toxic person in your life has his or her own investment in the connection. He likes controlling you, or she likes the lift her power over you gives her. So once you start setting boundaries and confronting the individual, don't expect him to go gently into the night. See, that is a powerful point that we need to be aware of. It's not going to be easy, but it doesn't mean any that we should stand any less for what's true and what's right. And if you set a boundary that you think is appropriate and you deliver it with godliness in, in terms of that blessing, even if they don't like the blessing. I mean, how many children like the blessing of eating their vegetables? <laughs> not many. <laughs> so, and, and this is the point. So even if they don't like it, set it and reset it and remind them with gentleness and with firmness. And eventually that sticks. And if it's somebody that you have to deal with in life, you have to set those boundaries. Otherwise, you know, you can create that space. What's point number eight? Oh, this is important, Rick. Don't normalize abusive behavior. This is especially important if you've been in a toxic relationship for a long time or you grew up around people who used words as weapons. The bottom line is that emotional and verbal abuse are never okay. So we have to make sure that we don't internalize the abuse And we also have to make sure we don't normalize abusive behavior. We don't 
make it like, hey, this is part of living. No, it's not. And we have to, again, graciously stand for that which is right. Last point from Wellcast, toxic people, how to end a bad relationship. And this really kind of fits in with all that we've been talking about. Selfie six. Above all else, look out for yourself. Studies have shown that people with low self-esteem are far more likely to find themselves in toxic relationships. You will never be treated with love and respect. Absolutely believe that you deserve these things. Remember, you teach people how to treat you. So do yourself the favor of loving yourself. That's the first step to any relationship. I love what she said. You teach people how to treat you. So if you are in a toxic relationship, maybe you have contributed. Maybe you've taught them that that's okay. Now it's time for a new lesson and a higher lesson. And by God's grace and with, with wisdom and with patience and with love in your heart, teach them how to treat you more appropriately. They may not listen, but keep teaching them. And that will put things in a better position so at least you can handle it more more readily. Never forget the purpose of your experience if you're a Christian. First Peter 2, verses 18 to 20. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. Okay. This is interesting because, you know, in those days, he's talking to people who are slaves in the Roman culture. And he says, be submissive to your master, even to the mean ones. This finds favor in God, with God because you're in good conscience doing what you need to do, what you are called upon to do. And, you know, it says, for, it, for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. Verses, uh, verse 20. For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. And this is the key. We may not be able to change the environment that surrounds us. We may be able to make adjustments in how we handle it. We don't want to absorb it, but we need to handle it. But when we suffer for the sake of godly righteousness— that is what finds favor with God. And Jonathan, that's the whole point of our lives, is to find favor with God, to be faithful to his will no matter what. We must always remember that our journey is meant to be hard, just like Jesus' journey. For, and, and that is foreign to many of yeah. our Christian friends, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and that's why dealing with toxic people is so hard for a Christian. Because, look, you do need to set boundaries where it's appropriate. And sometimes you do want to be away from people. But we're talking about those times when they're in the middle of your life and you can't be rid of them. You need to be able to manage it, to handle it without absorbing it, and to be a blessing in the process. First Peter 2, 21-24. For you've been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. 
by his wounds you and I were healed. So we take this approach and we say this is what makes our lives so worthwhile. The difficulty, the trial, the tribulation is so worth it. It's not, we're not saying, okay, Lord, bring on the toxic people. <laughs> what we are saying is let's lean on what Jesus did for us. And Rick, no wonder Jesus is called the author and finisher of our faith. Yeah. He did not falter or quit ever. Right, right. And look, dealing with toxic people doesn't mean you become somebody's punching bag. That is not appropriate. That is abusive behavior. And that needs to be put in its place. And it has no place in our lives or should have no place. We need to reteach people how to treat us. If we've taught them by our acceptance of such things to do that, doesn't mean you, you stop there. It means you, can, you come to a point where you're saying, enough is enough, graciously, kindly, wisely, and in a godly way, give them a sandwich and show them these are the new guidelines. This is the way it's going to be because I am of value to God. See, Jonathan, the key is don't look at yourself the way somebody else comes across as looking at you. Look at yourself instead through the eyes that God sees you with, with the potential he sees you. And that that's the value of that individual who needs to be able to stand up. Do not let that toxic person's perspective of you influence your perspective of you. It's so critically important. When quitting seems attractive, and it, it would be in these situations, we always need to go back to the promises to refocus our discipline one of the great promises in Scripture is Isaiah forty twenty nine to 31. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. You know, it's not finding your own strength. It's finding God's strength to apply in your life. That's how you deal with toxic people. And it gives you the ability and the strength to stand up and to take steps that maybe you wouldn't have taken because you're doing it in the strength of godliness. So taking the promises in hand as a Christian, always look up, find your balance, and know why. Know that you're being tried for a reason. It's to be shown that you're faithful to God through Jesus. Know that the experiences you have now are for the eternal glorification of God Almighty. Know that there are good reasons for these things, and there are better reasons to even to stand up for that which is right. And then, Philippians 4, 8, our final scripture. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence— if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. You know, the interesting thing is we so easily dwell on that which a toxic person tells us and plants into our lives. This scripture is saying, dwell on things of value. Dwell on things that are going to lift people up, lift you up. Dwell on those things. It's a paradigm shift that makes toxicity just a, a, an accessory in life rather than a centerpiece of our lives. What's our final taming toxicity point? Toxic people are products of this sinful world. Jesus died for them. Don't quit. Let your light shine. Absolutely, positively, do not quit. Let your light shine. Folks, dealing with toxicity is hard, and it's long, 
and it's arduous, and it seems like sometimes there's no way out. But if we take the godly principles, and we take Jesus' example, and we learn to bless and not curse, and we learn to handle, not absorb the evil, and we learn to give them the the appropriate uh, um, reactions instead of responses, we can make that toxic situation not necessarily go away, but we can make it more tolerable, and most importantly, it can be a glory to God as he watches us struggle and deal with it. Think about that. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed being with us today. It's a tough subject that I'm sure we all deal with in one way or another. We need to be very, very clear. Listen, we do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, next week we'll be talking about can our prayers change God's mind? Now that's a little brain twister for you. Can our prayers change God's mind? Talk to you next week.